Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Draulade? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast. I have my lifelong friends, Ryan and Josh, here with me. And we're talking about book one of The Bound and the Broken of Blood and Fire by Ryan Cahill. This is a book that uh, goes on for, I mean, it's, it's the first book. There's several more in the series. I don't know offhand how many there are, but I know it's like an ongoing uh, series. And I've heard a lot about it. And unfortunately, like my expectations were pretty high because a lot of people have really talked about this series as something that's pretty special. We'll start off with some some non-spoiler stuff, but what do you guys think of the series? Just for some context, Josh and I have read the first book only. And Ryan, how many have you read? Are you current? I'm not current. I've read the first book. I basically read the first two books and the novellas that come after them. Okay. So I'm reading the third book, but that's like significantly longer than the other ones and is that do you know is that the most recent or is there a fourth as well he he's written the novella after the third book and then there's going to be a fourth book but that has not been released so you're almost current you know some stuff that we don't but you're going to keep it to a blood and fire only yes so as someone who's read a few obviously you liked it enough to continue you're enjoying the series. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I I enjoy the series. I think that I agree with what you said, Stephen. I had heard a good amount of positive reviews on this, and I think the book was very rough around the edges, which is, I think, to be expected from a debut novel from a self-published author, but I, I could definitely see a lot of people not, not agreeing or not liking the quality and DNFing the book. I, I personally liked, I, I love um, like dragon riders and books that delve into like, you know, that specific bond. And mm -hmm. that is what kept me going throughout the first book. Josh, your thoughts. Yeah, um, I, I I've struggled with with my thoughts for this book. There are some things I I really enjoyed about it, and other things that I did not enjoy about it. Broadly, like I don't know if I'm going to keep reading the reading the series or not. I kind of got like maybe five percent to the second book and have DNF'd it for now. 
and that's not to say I won't pick it up later, but so that's kind of where I'm at with the series as a whole. We can get more specific to the book. Mm-hmm. Broadly, yeah, like I, I'm not quite as fascinated by the dragons and stuff as Ryan is, but I really, I, you know, I obviously enjoy those kind of like classic fantasy motifs. I thought a lot of them were done really well here. Yeah, I just, it's kind of confusing to me because like there's no one thing that I'm, I'm like really turned off by the by the books besides there being a lot of a, a lot of tropes used but that's not necessarily a bad thing or anything. Anyway, so I'm hoping that my conversation with that the conversation today can kind of help me sort out my feelings about the book kind of and why I'm having a harder time continuing on with the series. When I was reading it, I had some negative feedback for sure. I, I think you guys might have seen that a little bit. I didn't super love it. And I think most of my issue was it just felt very, very derivative to, I mean, books that I've seen before, but like, specifically very derivative to Aragon, which was written by, how old was Christopher Pliny when he published that? Like 14 or something? Like super, yeah, maybe that's an exaggeration. Those. Anyway, when something is like so derivative to a book that was basically written by a teenager 20 years ago, and I mean, Aragon was the hit of of that, you know, few years there, kind of, I feel like that was a little, was it a little post Harry Potter? Kind of, it was kind of like simultaneous with Harry Potter. It was like the post like huge Harry Potter rush, but I think it was probably around like when the fourth one was being published or something. I mean, when Aragon was coming out, it was like everyone had the book with the colorful dragon on it. It was really big. And I just feel like this story was so derivative to that. And and I'm fine with, you know, obviously tropes are going to get reused. Like that's just the nature. That's how it works. But in this case, it felt like too much to me. And it wasn't even copying anything that I like super, super love. So that also kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Aragon was probably my favorite series in like middle school and yeah, no, I loved it as school. a kid, but I feel like I, I really doubt it holds up. Maybe, maybe not. You're, you're gonna have people coming after you for that take, Stephen. The, the, the I, next book is coming out in like a month. Is there another Aragon book coming out? Yeah, it's uh, oh. it's called Murtog. It's uh, I think it's supposed to take place after. I'm actually I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't want to say something. Gonna, it's after are we gonna the cover event. this? I feel like we should have some Aragon books. Well, Stephen just I'm called out it. the series as a whole, saying it it definitely doesn't hold up. It's yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said something that strong. My remembering is that I really didn't like inheritance. I felt like it ended very poorly. And I've read a lot of really good books since, and I just have a hard time believing. That that series would well, it's a it's a young adult super series, well. Dude. With... It's, it, yeah, that's true. That's it's true. Kind of meant for yeah. kids. I mean, not like children, yeah. but it's like yeah. I would say it's like young adult, if not like what's the one like slightly before. No, it's young adult. adult. It's not. It's not middle grade. It's it's definitely it's not middle adult. grade. I I agree with with Stephen's opinion based on the last book, but Christopher Paolini I think has grown a lot as an author. He wrote. To sleep in a sea of stars, and I yeah, think did you read that? Noise. No, I didn't, but I've heard good things about I it. I read it. I read it, and I liked it. And so I think he's gained he's a lot of experience his... and maturity. Nope. So yeah, I'm trying to deflect from all the Christopher Pliny fans because I know there's a lot of them that probably hate me right now. But I, yeah, I, I read uh, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars, and I liked it. I have not yet read Fractal Noise, but I plan on reading it. And obviously, that's more of a sci-fi. And I also plan on reading Murtaugh. Like I don't. I don't hate Polini by any means. I just, I don't know. Maybe I've just grown yeah, out. I know of what you're saying, Stephen. It's That's, like, yeah, 
it's like are we are we really uh reading a book that's a that's kind of a knockoff of another book that's that's kind of we've moved on past yeah moved on past yeah yeah and i mean i don't know like i'm planning on i can't wait until liam i don't know if this won't make it into the recording i'm sure but liam my uh six-year-old he's been listening to the harry potter books on audio like before he goes to bed Mm-hmm. And he just came, he just came in, he was supposed to be asleep right now, but he just came in super excited about the fact that he just finished the first Harry Potter book. So I'm like, you know, like fills my heart with a lot of, a lot of joy. And I'm excited to share Aragon with him in a couple of years. Yeah. Cause I think, I think that's a little bit. And they're, they're coming out with the Aragon TV show. Anyway, we should probably get I'm back not, to Sorry. You. I just, I just mean, you know, Liam can yeah. watch that. But this is, you know, it is definitely a conversation we have to have about this book because it does wear its influences on its sleeve. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I do feel like it is kind of like, okay, the people that loved Aragon are now adults. So like he put like adult things in the in this book, not mm-hmm. to like a crazy high extent. Not fourth wing adult names. No, no. I don't think that there's any really any sexual, like explicit not sexual really. stuff. It's but just more violent and there's swearing. There's swearing, the violent, but the violence like gets pretty intense, you know, sometimes just mm-hmm. uh, enough so that it kind of takes you back because I guess like when you're living in a world like the first law, you kind of get numb to the violence because it happened like there's so much of it, you know, but like in this, w- when violence happens and it's described in pretty gruesome detail, it, it kind of takes, it took me out of it kind of because it didn't, yeah. the rest of the world didn't feel that gritty. And yeah, so, I feel like you have to balance the level of violence you want to show with like your overall tone of the book you're writing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that that was kind of interesting. And obviously, like I don't really care about violence in books, but I, I just feel like the tone tonality was a little bit weird with it. That that's like kind of a general criticism. Same thing kind of with the language. It's like, you know, swear word, like I don't mind swear words in fantasy, but when it's like written in kind of a I don't know when it's written in a certain way. And then all of a sudden you're just like, there's just F-bombs being dropped for that come out of kind of nowhere without mm-hmm. the rest of the book. Really? It seems like classical. It, it seems like classical fantasy. Like you're reading it and it's like, okay, this is, you know, wheel of time. This is Aragon. This is kind of, you know, the fantasy of a few years ago, which is fine. Obviously we like that stuff. But then all of a sudden it's like F this F that. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't it be like, storm it <laughs> yeah like some, some some in world swears which i i'm not saying everything needs like needs to have in world swears not everything needs to be like robert jordan and brandon sanderson you know right. but it's just the tone is the tone never i never felt like i knew what kind of book i was totally reading if that makes sense that's fair yeah i think that's fair ryan do you feel like it it resolves that later on like does it do you have more of a feel of the bound and the broken world now that you've read more yeah i think i do but i don't think those things bothered me as much when i read the first book i think i was bothered more by other things so uh, i think i was able to look past maybe more of these flaws that you guys had when you were reading i mean on goodreads i gave it like a three out of five so it's like a six this book was like a six out of 10 for me. I felt like it was a big step up when I read The Fall, which is the novella that that mm-hmm. he wrote after, but is actually a prequel novella. And I feel like he's improved a lot as an author since, in my opinion, his, his writing shows shows that. 
not that it necessarily justifies reading the first book. I mean, I don't necessarily know that that's a great excuse for a lot of people as to say it, it gets good in the second or third or fourth book. So you got to stick it through the first three. No, I think that's totally fine to say, honestly. <laughs> and also it's, he's, this is the first published book from him. Right. So yeah. like I should have some, some more grace with mm-hmm. some of these tonality stuff. It's a hard, it's, it's a really hard thing to do. Right. I guess I just, I just was pointing it out and I think it's totally fine to say, Hey, this is his first published book. It's a little bit rough. By the time the second, third book comes around, it's it gets really good. I think that's mm-hmm. totally fine, and and people can decide if they want to read it or not based on that advice. But yeah, there's definitely some awkward wordings and things that you could tell you needed a little more editing, and that makes sense in the first book. So I think we were generally surprised by or surprised by it because of the things that we had heard, like the praise we had heard for the books. Yeah. We weren't mm-hmm. we were caught off guard at. I think How I think rough. that was more. I was almost expecting like a Rothfuss level, like intro to you know, like an, a masterpiece, you know. And it just definitely wasn't that. There, like like you're saying, Stephen, a line editor. There was one passage. I I think this is an exact quote. His his slick back black hair was slicked back against his head, using the same like you know mm-hmm. like just obviously repetitiveness right. in right. the same sentence, you know and it just kind of caught me off guard when I was reading it and I made like kind of a mental note of it, which again, this is all totally fine, especially for like a new brand new author. It's just, um, I think my hopes, my expectations for the book were higher than right what it was, you know? Yeah. I mean, turns out it's tough to write a huge fantasy book. And obviously if you don't have a line editor or it's your first book, you're, th- those things are going to happen. So yeah, we're not going to harp on that, but I think we just bring it up to say, you know, that's part of the experience. Like if you're going into reading the book, that's something that will probably take you out of it a little bit. Cause yeah, you know, unfortunately when you, when you come into that, when you read stuff and it's just kind of awkward, you're like, you're snapped out of the world and suddenly the book's not as good. I think if someone had told me, Hey, this is a really good book. It's his first book he was self-published he didn't really have i don't he might have had an editor we should say like he probably had an editor go through the book but like you know he's not having like a world-class editor or whatever you know like and just having somebody give me a heads up that there's some kind of clunky rough could be refined prose about it then it would have been a it it just would have been a lot easier for me to digest that right like that expectation would have been better than this is this big series that everyone's talking about. And there's this like gorgeous special edition of the book that's available even. And right. it just makes you Steve, think like, like Stephen bought. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it looked really pretty, so I had to buy it. Um, and you had heard good things about it. And I don't, I don't regret buying it. It's a really pretty book. And anyway, it, that just makes me think like, wh- why I'm just kind of confused after reading it. And, and like Ryan said, it sounds like it gets better. And that's, that's great. And I'm glad that there are so many fans of it and, um, and people that are willing to stick with it. So, you know, maybe in the future, I will be one of those people. But after reading the first book, I'm just kind of confused. Yeah, I, I think I, that's where I'm I thought Stephen. that the ending really picked up and started more to show, at least in my, in my opinion, it started to show me more of what he was capable of. Here's one one critique of the way that they structured this audiobook. The ending caught me off guard because they included... What, what was the name of the novella, Ryan? The, the Fall. The Fall. They included The Fall at the ending of the version of the audiobook I read. So I thought I had another hour 
of the book left and it ended. And so it's just kind of weird, you know, like the, that's, I think that messed with the ending for me. Cause I just, I expected like mm. something else to happen, you know, I, I still had like 10% of the book left or something. And so like, yeah. maybe just like in the forward of the audiobook, just being like included in this special edition of the audiobook is the novella at the end. That way you can just know that like, I, you can just have proper expectations for it. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's obviously my fault too, but like, nonetheless, or nevertheless, that like did affect my enjoyment of the ending. That would be weird. That happens in ebooks sometimes too, where the last like five to 10% is like the first chapter of the author's next book or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I've, yeah, I've definitely ran into that before. But yeah, Brian, I think the ending was good. It was definitely, you know, stuff was happening. The dragon, I don't remember many characters' names. The dragon was bigger. Valerius. Yeah, yeah. Just just make up a fantasy name, Stephen. You'll probably be like pretty ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, Valerius could be straight out of uh, George R. R. Martin as well. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm glad that that ending was so action-packed because the middle section definitely dragged. And I think I, the thing that I struggled with in the middle section was a lot of the chapters kind of became the same thing, where it was like, we're sitting down at the camp to have a conversation. And in this conversation, we're going to learn a little bit more. And then two chapters later, again, it's a conversation around the campfire and then another one. And there just needed to be a little more variety to what was happening to add some uh, spice into the story. Yeah, I honestly, like, I read this book maybe a month and a half ago, or uh, maybe two months ago. And like, I can't remember much of the middle of the book. So it was, it was a lot of traveling around, learning a little bit here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember too much of it either, either. But that's a 10 out of 10 for the map in the book. I don't know if you saw the map, uh, or if you guys listened, but it's a very intricate and well done map. And I, I am interested to learn more about the world because it seems like like the history of the whole disaster that happened years ago kind of affects the areas that you're able to travel through. I think that's interesting. I think that the thing that I enjoy the most, thing that I'm most intrigued by is the whole lore to everything because it's it seems like a really cool story. Like these dragon riders of the past, the Ripa trade. I mean, it's essentially the same story as Galatorix and Arion, but nonetheless, <laughs> that is a cool story. And uh, hopefully there's some twists to it that are that are not in Aragon. Have you, you should read or listen to the fall novella, Stephen. Okay. It sounds like that's the thing for you that like got you, that, that sold you on the series a little more. Yeah, it, it, I, I think so. Which... It sounds like it wasn't that way for Josh. Well, I didn't mind the fall. I, I just was saying it it was it kind of messed with my perception of the ending of a fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I thought the fall was good. I just wasn't expect I was expecting it to be the ending of the book, not a novella. I think of the three boys, uh, I'm most interested in Wrist right now because he seems to be on a journey that I'm not as familiar with. Like I I don't know what's gonna happen with him and he was intriguing right from the beginning when he was flashing magic potential around and then he got taken away and now he's kind of almost being brainwashed or we're not really, yeah, we're not sure what's going on with him. I, I feel like maybe more of that in this book would have been nice, a little more even balance between the main characters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as Kalen, like he just kind of seemed pretty straightforward and, you know, he's the hero and he's the farm boy and he's growing into it. Like there's no real twists and turns there with him. Yeah. So this, we've already talked about, this is 
very derivative, which in and of itself isn't really a bad thing. I think if you know that going into the book and you're okay with that, then then you'll it, it won't bother you. I think that that type of thing can can be something that bothers people though. The other way that I would probably use to describe this book was like fairly fairly simple plot. It wasn't there wasn't like a lot of intrigue and like twists. You know, it's kind of like point A to point B. You weren't super surprised by the actions that happened. It's just kind of like cool. I I, I don't know. I mean, and maybe that's maybe that kind of led a little bit more to the tone of the book that you guys were thinking of, where it, it sometimes felt like it was a little bit more YA than adult at parts. Yeah, yeah. Because adult fantasy nowadays, it almost has to have this like, twisting complexity to your epic fantasy plot yeah it's like all, all the setup and the world building is fun but it's you know like the huge payoff at the end is kind of where like things start to come together and click that's a lot of why i read you know epic fantasy mm -hmm. yeah i don't think a, a simpler story is a bad thing by any means and definitely if i continue reading like this seems like a good candidate to listen to because I often have a hard time paying total attention to what I'm listening to. Uh, I'll, I'll admit that I definitely do not absorb all the details when I'm just listening. So this seems like one that I should be able to just flip on and get the, get the story pretty well through. I'd imagine so. I mean, I listened to the first one and I don't feel like I, I mean, I do kind of feel like it was forgettable in some ways, but it sounds like you guys have that same feeling too, even though you, you read it, Stephen. But like, I, I never felt like I was lost in the story while I was listening to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brian is in the future books. What is it that, what is it that you enjoy more? Like, does, does the plot start to get a little less derivative? Do the characters come into themselves more? Is there just like cool dragon action? It's definitely you reading. It's definitely a lot less derivative future books. I mean, when I was reading, of blood and fire i kept thinking to myself wow this is just like aragon wow this feels a lot like wheel of time wow this reminds me of this aspect of stormlight archive you know and mm -hmm. i i think most if not all of that was kind of eliminated for me in the fall novella and in the second book mm. so i i, I think that it, it definitely becomes less derivative um, a bit more a bit more complicated the characters become uh, more interesting and we start to learn more about their backstories and there's more of the you know dragon rider action does the sister do more ella yes i, I was needing more from the sister too i was engaged by the sister story i just felt like we didn't get a lot from it what what happens at the end of the book with with his sister she's on a boat wreck gets killed she joins up with the other widow of the other man that was killed in that whole conflict and they're headed off to the like they get on the boat that the rich uncle purchased for them in giza i think is the name of the place anyway yeah. and and it seems like ella is kind of coming into herself as you know she's hardened a lot and she seems like she's now going to be a pretty capable character that said, like, 
I have no idea where her story is, is going. The other characters seem to have pretty distinct goals in mind, but she could do anything. Well, the big thing that you might have missed about yeah. that was that she gets on the boat with Farda, who's the guy who... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Who's yeah. like flipping the coin. The Inquisitor yeah. dude. The one that killed her parents, right? Or the one that was there while her parents were yeah i think yeah. he killed her he killed one of them. he killed her he killed, dad. he killed her dad i'm pretty sure and yeah. then and then the inquisitor killed the mom yeah that was cool to me he's a white he, he's like in my head is a white cloak like oh for sure yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he's a good character he's interesting he was the one that the fade he was hanging out with the fade and trying to figure out what they were going to do about Kaylin, right yeah. yeah but there was some good dramatic irony where they were in the city. Uh, Ella and Caitlin and crew were in what Camelin, like literally, literally called Camelin, <laughs> at the same time. And they, you know, they didn't know that they were there. And and Caitlin thinks that she died. And so, you know, there's some good setup for some things that could happen in the future, definitely. And the other thing I like is that, or that I like in future books, is you get a lot more perspectives from the Empire. You learn more about Wrist mm. and what he's going through and still not quite as much as you probably would like, Stephen, but it, it does improve a lot in the second book. Nice. And it's yeah. it's kind of satisfying to me as a reader to see like a new author figure things out and like come into their own a bit more, figure things out figure out plotting character work and it is it is fun to be along for the ride and maybe give me hope one day that i'll do the same oh yeah for sure yeah yeah josh and i are i am officially on the journey with like three paragraphs written and it's like it's really hard right and Josh, you've written a lot more. And my, I think yeah, you would and agree to, that it's really to hard. To be clear, I was giving him, I was I was talking bad about pros. My pros, if I could be as nearly as good as him, I would consider <laughs> it a huge success. Uh, so let me just put that out there. Your uh your characters slick back their hair like yeah, three my, times my in characters a sentence. Slick 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 black slick black slicked back hair. Yeah. They slick back their ha- slick hair as they slip on the slip and slide. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Down the slippery pathway, something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, 100%, 100%. Like if, if I got my pros anywhere near as good as this was, that would be awesome. But yeah, I'd like that sentiment, Ryan. And obviously he has figured something out because it seems like there's a like a really big falling around him. Maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm making this up and these books are not as big as I'm thinking they were, but I... I mean, for as much as I'm on social media and kind of this world, I see this one a lot, which makes me feel like a lot of people really love it. So I, I don't know. Am I wrong? Like, is there a big, you're on Reddit a lot. Is there a big subreddit around Found and Broken? I actually am not on Reddit as much as I used to be. Mm, cutting back. I, I think there's a decent sized subreddit, but I haven't spent a lot of time seeking it out. I, I think it's it, it's hard because, you know, we are in like these epic fantasy circles. So it's like people who we like authors we hear all the time. If we talk about them like outside of our circles, like nobody knows who those authors yeah, are. Yeah, right, right. They're like <laughs> the only the only one anyone ever knows is Brandon Sanderson. Or George, and George, George R. R. Martin. And George, yeah, George R. Martin. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. no one's going to know any of them. 
Yeah. So it's, it, it is kind of like, sometimes I feel like our idea of how popular an author can be, it might be a little bit inflated. Right. Kind of, but it's not, it's just, to, just to push back on that a little bit. I think he's doing this full time now, right? Yeah, I think he is as well. So, I mean, if you, if you can make it full time as an author, that means you're pretty popular. I, yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to say like in our circles, he's like fair, fairly popular. He's not a household. He's far from being a household name. Though. Yeah, he's far from a household name. But if you're a household name, then you're rich and famous. It means you're you successful. If you, That's true. Yeah, yeah. You're only you're only a household name. If you're a fantasy writer and you're a household name, you have an adaptation. Well, Sanderson doesn't. Well, Sanderson's kind of a unique case because the Kickstarter thing, and I don't know. There's just and fi- and finishing up. Uh, yeah, time, yeah. He does kind pretty... of have an adaptation, right? And he's he's big on he's big on YouTube and he's just like does enough stuff. He's very he's I mean, out of all the authors we cover, he's very unique in that he's got his own company and just pumps up books like crazy. And he's got his whole. Yeah, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be. Yeah. I'm just saying you, yeah. you can do it without without taking Hollywood's money, you know? Yeah. But I'm just saying that is very that is very rare. And Brandon is the exception and he won't be for very long because he will have an adaptation pretty I'm, soon. No, you know what? I, I think you're wrong. I'm pushing you back at that. Like the the really? um yeah, yeah. Sarah J. Mass, she doesn't have an adaptation. Um Lee Bardugo just barely got an adaptation a few years ago, but she was pretty okay. big before that. Okay, that's fair. I I think a lot of these I think there's a lot of authors that have maybe not like high fantasy authors, but there's they a lot of like yeah. They're not Sarah as much high fantasy. Is gonna have an adaptation. She will. She probably could right now. She she's probably optioned off her stuff. I think it's being. Or, no, it is. It's being worked on. But I, yeah, I'm just saying that. Like you will obviously, it's gonna fall though. If you have super popular work, there's gonna be wanting to have an adaptation made. But I think it's you're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Like I think you can okay, you get to be a household, almost a household name, and then you get an adaptation. I guess I'm talking about specifically epic fantasy because that's the genre that. I love and spend yeah. the most time with. But yeah, if you get into more of romanticy or more of kind of YA or more of the, you know, ma- mass appeal type fantasy, then yeah. If you can make it on book talk, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, then you can be famous <laughs> without Hollywood. You just need the Chinese money, not the Hollywood money. <laughs> All right. What else do we have to say about Blood and Fire? Yeah, we're way off topic here. <laughs> I think I think that I have said pretty much everything. Yeah, I, I can kinda... say about this book. It, it's, you know, fair, a fairly simple read, derivative. It's slow at parts, rough around the edges. In my opinion, it's worth it to get through. And I think it's enjoyable. I enjoyed it's it. Enjoyable. Just... It's got dragons. It's got stuff that you're familiar with. It's got if elves, you've read, dwarves. You know, if you've read Lord of the Rings, if you read fantasy when you were a kid and you're like, give me another book that's kind of like the stuff that I already read. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Try this one out. You like Aragon and you're yeah. open to seeing some of those themes replicated. Right. Right. Yeah. I think there's definitely a place for the series. And despite our criticism and confusion, I mean, that does not mean it's not worthy of being read for sure. Here's it's... kind of a, a weird way. Like, I think if you haven't read a lot of fantasy, you'd really like it. Like if you, if yeah, you have read of, Aragon when you're of, a kid. Yeah. And, and then I think if you've read a ton of fantasy and you're looking for like, What's something that I can kind of read? I've already read a ton and I just kind of need something that like is an easy digestible thing. And you know, the tropes well enough that like, you know, you don't mind seeing them done out. I think you might like it then as well. 
like if you've if you've exhausted a lot of like the huge mm-hmm. fantasy authors i think there's like a pretty big middle ground which is i think kind of where i'm at where i've like i've read a lot of fantasy but i have a lot of authors that i really still want to read so like taking time to read this is taking time away from is like preventing me from reading other things i really want to read so i don't know like yeah i think i'm kind of at a tricky spot for it but yeah no i, I think i see what you're trying to say and i'm i think i'm kind of in the same boat where at this point i like seeing unique twists on on stuff and i think there's plenty of room to do that like even i mean ryan and i just talked about the will of the many and even though that is very similar to red rising and name of the wind like like it's its own thing enough so there's a lot of of series that are doing that and at this point i'm just a little more interested in that type of reading thing i feel like this was less of a review of of blood and fire and more of like a where does it sit in the current fantasy landscape (laughs) but i don't know we we talked a lot about if we continue getting into the series then we can break down the plot points more i just didn't have like much to speculate on because i I mean Mm kind of he would say it's a little more straightforward anyway all right. Thank you for listening, watching. If you want to talk more, if you want to tell us, uh, you know, what we missed in this review or why we're wrong, you know, certainly we welcome that as long as you can do so with the, you know, just a little hint of grace is always nice on the internet. But uh, you can drop us a comment on YouTube or join our Discord, which invites are in the episode description. Josh, Ryan, thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, man. Until next time.